Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Graham McMillan and I put July in a sleeper hold with our latest episode. In just a smidge more than two hours, we break down the breakdown that was Comic-Con at home, give color commentary to the announcement of color reprints of The Walking Dead, test our dying metal with Death Metal 2, and do something that's related to something else like I just did, but uh, not quite as clever, and talk about Portland in 2020, reading superheroes, writing biographies, and much, much more. As always, we welcome your comments at waitwhatpodcast.com, your questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us at Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Jeff Lester! Graham McMillan! How are ya? Let me just tell you, here in secret San Diego Comic-Con, it's really exciting. <laughs> Damn it! Every, everyone else thinks that the con's cancelled, but those of us in the know know wow. that it's happening. And it's not just a series of really bad panels on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, good job faking the rest of us out with that uh, that nifty piece of PSYOPs. Uh, <laughs> good job confusing everyone with truly truly terrible panels on youtube yeah so listen tell me about that i have not checked any of them out what's what is the scoop why are they so well terrible at some point Mm -hmm. during um this thing we call 2020 you have had a zoom meeting for business right Uh, yes and you know how they go and you know that I'm trying to think of a nice way of saying this. They're really bad. Like they're, they're there's all <laughs> they're kind of weird, awkward. Uh, you know, the the, the interaction's really strange and strained, mm-hmm. and, and no one really wants to be there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So imagine that. Plus the panel experience from a Comic Con, minus the audience, which let's be honest is like the one moment of unplanned things right that can so make you have potential things. spontaneity yeah it's yeah. gone right and basically just like eavesdropping on other people's zoom call mm, 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 mm. and let me tell you that's when i'm curious about you know what the cast of the new mutants are thinking right now about their film that's never going to come out i want to check out those <laughs> and, and the best part is because i've i've watched a bunch for work because let me tell you i wouldn't have fucking watched them for pleasure but um <laughs> so start off with them going like i'm so excited to be here at comic-con and you're like you're fucking in your house yeah like i could i mean one of the pluses is i got to completely judge cb sabalsi's uh, office he, that man's got a lot of funko pops i mean i'm unsurprised but also kind of surprised he didn't think to move them uh tom brevoort at least had the good sense to like blur his background <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh. I mean, it's they've, they've been terrible, and I say that as someone who did one. I was about to say, did yours go up, and 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 it, did you watch it not, to see how it was? Of, I, uh-huh. I'm definitely not going to watch it. No, <laughs> I, I, I did it once. Um, yeah, I see. One of the things this sounds really bad, and it's not meant to. One of the things I like about panels mm-hmm. is you do them when they're done. Yes, like no, even of if it's a great panel, even right. if it's the greatest panel, no. you do you're done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right, and. And these aren't. Do you know what I mean? Right. Right. And there's something weird about that for me. Mm-hmm. There is something weird about knowing that this panel I did with with um, 
with uh, Simon Hanselman and and and, and uh, God, I've forgotten his name. I've forgotten his fucking name, and I really like his work. I always want to say Tom DeHaven, and that's not his name. Shit, it's gone entirely. But like, I did, I did this comic, uh, this panel called Tragic Comics, drawing mm-hmm. quarterly people and fan graphics people, mm-hmm. and and it was it was fine mm-hmm. enough, you know. Mm-hmm. It was it was a, a reasonable panel, um, but the idea like it's going to live on forever. It's weird to me. Yeah, they really should like follow up with the classic Comic Con thing and just delete them. Like the, it should be the panels should be like Snapchat. They just well, what's been really funny is the people who did them, and I'm including myself in this, didn't realize that they would all be posted as YouTube videos. By mm. which I mean, we knew they were going up on YouTube, but we thought they'd be live streamed. Mm. Right, which makes That's sense. Honest. When they premiered, they'd be live streamed, and they're not. YouTube's literally uh, Comic Con's literally just putting them as videos, so you can skim to the, the part of the, co- the panel you want to see. Mm. Well, I mean, it's funny, yeah. So like on on Thursday, I was doing the the Star Trek panel for THR, mm-hmm. right? And it was like an hour and a quarter long. <laughs> wow. Like, well, wait. What? I thought they were getting edited down. I thought part of the reason no, was edited down. Oh Jesus. Okay. Well, it was because it ended up being three different panels in one. Right, they had the Star Trek Discovery cast, and they had the Star Trek Lower Decks cast, and they had the Star Trek Picard cast. Um, but like the Discovery one started off with a table read of Act One of their season two finale, Ooh. and with the best will in the world, I've I've watched the show. I don't need to see them do a table read, right? You know, mm-hmm. so I literally could be like skim past that for fifteen minutes and just go <laughs> them talking afterwards, right? Except you were you were live, right? You were live when that happened, right? So you couldn't just like you couldn't just pick up a magazine or like your video didn't disappear, did you? Did you have oh, you to mean, like you mean when I'm on my panel itself? No, when I'm in the Zoom call, I'm visible for the entire time. Right. So I mean, well, I guess I'm uh, maybe I zoned out here, but you did the, so you did the Star Trek panel and the yeah, Star no, Trek no, panel I, had I, a live I, read, right? I, I, I watch someone else's Star Trek. Oh, oh, oh sorry, 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 sorry. I misunderstood when you said did yeah, it for yeah, no, no, THR. Yeah, I the panel for THR. Gotcha. Uh, no, because it was edited down. That's just it. Like, it was an hour and a quarter, and that is it edited down. It's three different Zoom calls edited together. Oof. Right? Yeah. And it's just, like, stuff like that, you're just like, oh, really fucking come on. For real. <laughs> and, and what's funny is other, you can see how different people have approached them differently. Like, the DC one. DC's mm. one on Friday was and I say this as a fan of a number of people in the the, the call. Mm-hmm. Again, it's an hour long call, and there's 15 guests. Good God! Zoom wow. calls Ooh. of five guests, Ooh. and with the best will in the world, what everyone's got like basically 15 minutes to talk to five people. Mm-hmm. All you really have time to to do is be like, "Hi, what's your name? What are you working on?" And then you've got to move on. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's what it was. Mm-hmm. It was this. I mean, again, I'm a fan of these people, but it's this utter waste of time, right? Because you get, you know, uh, Tom King and, and Mick Sherrod show up, and they're both like, "Haha, we're working on Strange Adventures, and it's great. It's a comic that you guys should read." And then Brian Michael Bendis shows up, and he's like, "I'm working on seven comics. I could list them all, but that's going to take up all the time I've got." <laughs> you know? it, it was just. It's. It was. I see what they were doing, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think if I'd been in a live panel, it would have been different because everyone's in the same room. There's an audience there. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there is more of an energy. Right. But when you're in a fucking call, there's not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So it's just this weird, 
lifeless thing. It it was Comic Con at home is the convention that made you realize how much you appreciate in person conventions. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. And I, okay, sure. I, I and I said this on Twitter, but like I really hope that New York Comic Con is watching this and being like, okay, here's how we're going to make it better. Because let's be perfectly honest, New York Comic Con isn't happening in person this year. And like, yes, right, mm-hmm, right. Like they've not said that it's mm-hmm. not been officially announced, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Like everyone knows that, and especially they must know that. I hope so. You know, so if they're not planning right now, yes, do you do a virtual Comic Con better? Mm-hmm. Then they're they're idiots. To so be perfectly honest. Do you have any tips? Do you, having watched it, how to do it better? Yeah. I don't – how do you do it better? Well, first of all, you actually stream the panels and you don't just put them up as videos so people can't fast forward past them. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's lesson one. Um, what's something I'm genuinely surprised by with the, this, the Comic-Con at home ones mm-hmm. is that no one seems to have announced anything. And a video seems to be the perfect way to announce a new project because you can make sure the announcement goes in. You can make sure that you're not interrupted. You can get whatever artwork you need in there, mm-hmm. whatever teaser trailer, whatever footage you need in there, um, and get a, and make sure that it's all perfect before it goes out. Like you can get the announcement perfect, and no one seems to have done that. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. no one seems to have announced any new work, mm-hmm. which is like it's especially weird when DC announced a fucking project in their catalog yesterday. Right. Yeah. Although, is, isn't part of the problem that the DC's got their fandom thing yeah. that's coming out too? And honestly, I think that's. I think that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, is it a problem? Maybe not for DC, but like it's it's what prevented them from doing this, right? Mm-hmm. But like, why didn't Marvel announce anything? Right. Do you know? What I mean, that's that's weird. You would have thought this would be in a perfect place, especially because as soon as DC announced fandom. Mm-hmm. It was fairly obvious they weren't really going to make break any news at, at Comic Con. Right. Why did Marvel go? Okay, like there's definitely some pro- like why didn't they fucking announce the King in Black there? Mm-hmm. As just doing it in an email a week earlier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I don't know, but yeah, I would uh, if I was New York, I would try and get I'd try and do things that you can't do otherwise. Mm-hmm. Whether that's have bigger celebrities or do something stranger with the format of a video panel. Well, I, I want to say, and you've mentioned both streaming and, and other things, but f- for myself, let me just say, A, because of my um, true uh, loathing of Facebook, I don't have an Instagram account, and therefore mm-hmm. I don't do anything on on Instagram. But I have seen recording I, of live streams that happen in Insta where per, a person's talking and comments are like sort of streaming along with emojis and, and yeah, it's, it, it is weird that no one did any sort of anyone attempted any live streaming where people actually could ask questions. I, absolutely. I mean, that that's the thing. There's been so much between Insta and Twitch. There have been so many tools that have been put in place to essentially create a vibe only fans, uh, you know, to, to create a vibe between an, a virtual audience and a, you know, person in front of the camera. And I'm sort of, I do think that maybe set Comic-Con at home 
erred way too much on the side of caution because, you know, apart from, hey, let's have a panel, but it's going to be recorded in advance and it gets to be edited by the companies that are participating in it, you know, I mean, at that point, that is the absolute farthest point from where a comic book convention starts, right? Which is well, but also like even with that, like why are none of the videos more interesting? Well, right, right. And yeah. part of it is, I should say, Comic Con put a fair amount of of uh, instructions in place about what you could and couldn't do in your video. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, if New York wants to be different, they would not have those instructions. Well, I mean, I assume some of those instructions were. I mean, see, this is it. Like, I'm <laughs> like. Uh, I, I'm glad that uh, I assume that on the DC panel, Scott Lubdell did not sexually harass anyone. But, you know, I mean, that's kind of that sort of that's also part of Comic-Con panels. You know what I mean? Like the 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 completely loathsome people being loathsome because they're, you know, because like you said, it all just goes away. The panel is done. Like whatever anyone else says it's not the sort of thing that someone's going to, you know, pull up uh, on on a on a bad news story about you or the next time you apply for a job or something. Again, it's it seems to me by dint of doing the videos, like you're all but guaranteeing that what you're going to get is a is like a a freeze dried commodity, right? Yeah, right. And and it's I don't know. I just feel that there is so much potential to do something different mm-hmm. and Comic-Con at home erred in basically trying to do Comic-Con at home for mm-hmm. whatever better way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Like there was no reason to have that many panels, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, there was no reason to have those panels. One of the strengths of Comic-Con in person is there are so many fucking panels about stuff that is random and obscure. Right. You know, and they basically were like, yeah, those are the panels we're putting on YouTube. And that feels like a mistake mm. to me. You know, I, I, I feel that you, I feel that they could have done less panels mm-hmm. uh, and, and they could have done something with the panels, mm-hmm. but you know, maybe, you know, even just you being like, Hmm, Mm, makes me think that you disagree, which is a sign that like I am being far too, I don't know, mainstream or far too. Oh no, no, my is kind of such a. Uh, 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 I don't necessarily have a horse in the race. Uh, is one thing. Two second thing. What I think is interesting is there's a little bit of guilt. Uh, to be honest, Graham, because you know, uh, Comic Con is uh, that that time where you go to San Diego and I don't and our <laughs> podcast schedule gets fucked up is a result. I was going to say, like, as you say, this is the, normally the episode we never have. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So with the exception of, I think, wasn't there some time that one there year was, There where, was one where, like 10 yeah. years ago where you called me and I was literally hiding in a bush. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because I, I didn't realize two things. One, I wouldn't be able to make a call in sight. Mm-hmm. And two, I would be fucking dying from the sun as mm-hmm. soon as I went outside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you and I tried to do a call. <laughs> and I was, like, literally feeling my head burn. 
Fuck it, I was like, I've got to get the shade somewhere. And I basically crawled inside a push. Yeah. There also for those those who don't who who want the deep dish on this, um, this was during a period where Skype stopped working for us. I don't remember the how, why and how, but there was a very brief period where Graham and I would FaceTime, and so it would be video calls, and then I would extract the audio using some program that I purchased that synced up with FaceTime and then edit that. So it wasn't like it was the, it was kind of glorious because not only was Graham calling from a bush, but I could actually see him in the bush. <laughs> and that was, that was pretty great. I got to say. Uh, no, but aside from that, like we never do the Comic-Con episode. Right. Cause, like, exactly. Cause like, yeah. Comic-Con. Right. But that's the other thing. Like I was saying this morning, it's clear. I was like, like, I miss the things I miss about Comic Con mm-hmm. are on one hand things I knew I'd miss like mm-hmm. seeing friends, right? Uh, you know, the, actually getting to do some of the weirder press stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's like the press conferences or or interviewing people that you never thought you'd meet mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but I also didn't realize I'd miss. I would miss the panels. I would miss the crowds. Mm-hmm. I'd miss the idea that, like, and I've said this to you before. Comic-Con is like five days where you just leave the real world and you just accept that. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Um, and so I, I... just surrender to it. Right. And so normally, like, that includes leaving the podcast for those five days. Yes, you know? exactly. Exactly. And so, and since you've continued to cover it, and I haven't in, you know something like 14, 15 years now... I, I would say that the last time you were at Comic-Con... Was the first year I was there with IO9, so that would be like 2008, 2009. Yeah, I think that's right. So, right, 10 or 12 years so, ago. Yeah, yeah, 10 or 12 years. Yeah. yeah, so, and I think my last one, it might have been 2008, my last one was 2010 or something like that, 2010. And so, you were, you were not into it, I remember that. What's that? Not into it. Yeah, well, each one was, the first one was great. Uh, the one, the one where you and I were like roommates, uh, and then the. Yeah, just the press, yeah. Yeah. And then the second one was okay, like, and then the third one just kind of sucked because I was only there for like three days. And also it was the point where, you know, the apex, my apex had clearly passed in terms of being able to get in the room and pitch stuff. And at that point, you know, it was like when I started going in 2008, it was like, I was covering all this stuff, but I also had these connections. And then 2009, it looked like that was going to come together. And by 2010, A, it sort of seemed like it hadn't, but it was also just, I mean, 2010 was also the height it felt of the scammy aspects of Comic-Con, where it was like, I remember paying $300 a night for a hotel room that I was going in halvesies with, with a friend and we were staying like an hour and a half away from downtown. Like fortunately, you know, Matt Maxwell, who I was staying with was on top of things and knew where basically we could get from the hotel to the transit line and take the commuter train in. And so it was relatively it, it wasn't like an hour of solid traffic or anything like that. But it was also at that point, I was like, 
and I was only there for two days, and it was just like throwing money out the window. And I think that what, was it. What was the year that we did a party and Ed Brubaker was there and talked to you? Oh God, what, I, was I, that two thousand eight? I might have been two thousand eight because I feel like two thousand eight was that year where it was just like I bumped into Ed Brubaker and uh, Zoe Bell in in. Yes, the I, I was going to say what, whatever that party was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Angel of Death. Angel of Death apparently happened in two thousand nine. Yeah. So, so chances are it was 2009 then. Yeah, probably. Probably because I felt a little – again, I felt a well, little no, more on no, I'm looking. I'm looking. No? He, was, he was doing PR in 2008. Yeah, that I makes sense. Yeah. So it must have been 2008. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. I thought they were still filming it or something. I don't remember. Anyway, I, just remember yeah. I just remember that party being great because Ed was like so into talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> like so into talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> He do was. Like, I do. Oh, believe me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really, really was. He was like Jeff, 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 Jeff. And the two of you just like got in this compound, and it was like this is this is amazing because no one else could get in. Mm. Like other people were trying to talk to the two. Of really? You. I don't even. Yes. Really... Mm. No, no. Other wow, people were trying so to talk funny. to the two of you, and they just couldn't get in. Yeah, I mean, Jeff, you were in the middle of this conversation, so you didn't see it. I guess not. I guess not. Anyway, yeah, that was I do I have fond memories of 2008 and of course you and I were roommates and I remember going to uh to like being assigned all these panels cuz that was it. It was like I got to quote unquote sleep on the floor if I did some work for I9 and and we ended up um I ended up covering like the Image United panel where which was which I think still never finished like all other yeah, image no, no, panel I mean, no, projects. Image United never happened. Yeah. And so oh, that, that reminds me of a story. I, I of a question I want to ask you about a new story, but okay. Oh okay. So I went to that. I think I went see it's I didn't do any stories two thousand nine. So I also covered uh Brave and the Bold um was being announced, which sounded great. Uh, but I remember being at the image panel and it was amazing because like walking dead was clearly because was like the shit, as yes. I, you know, and the number of like the, I think they all took it with either relative grace or utter obliviousness. But the fact that you had all the image founders and Robert Kirkman and like, 90% of the questions were to Robert Kirkman about Walking Dead or Invincible or something like that. And you just, and which was amazing because also Kirkman, I think, you know, had a pretty good sense of, he he knows his persona. So he would be kind of gracious, kind of funny, and his answers would be over in under 20 seconds. Right. Yeah, and yeah, by yeah. contrast, you'd maybe get one question for like Todd McFarlane or Rob Liefeld. And it was like seven minutes. To, of... to be fair, like I've interviewed Todd McFarlane. Yes. And that interview legitimately went on for like an hour and a half. <laughs> and I was penciled in for like a 15 minute interview <laughs> because Todd likes to talk. We'll see. That's he it. Really, really likes to talk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's quite clear. It's quite clear that they were very much into uh, talking. Themselves. Yeah, and themselves. Yeah, so I remember that. But um, yeah, so anyway, all of which is to say the I Comic-Con at home is to me like kind of – it's it's like the years I went to Burning Man. You can't do Burning Man at home. Like you can do – you can do a hilarious satire. You can kind of do a farce. 
Yeah, you, you know, can, you can show why you can't do Burning Man at home. At home. Right, exactly. And it's the same with Comic Con. You show why you can't do Comic Con. Right, right. Like my favorite thing from Comic Con at home has been the people submitting pictures of Comic Con at home, and it's like the family who are all sitting there in line in their hallway, like looking at their phones. Like that's let great. let me just tell you, yes. your favorite thing should be the Eisner's. <laughs> I don't mean that because of like the voting shenanigans, although uh-huh. obviously I mean that because watch the video for the Eisners, Jeff. Oh yeah, it's literally Phil Lamar reading out the nominations and then reading out the winner and then moving on. <laughs> that's, that's all it is. That's kind of what I figure, you know. I mean, because I was like, what? What could you do? What right? else could you do? Right. Right. Well, it keeps saying, but you could because well, if you told winners ahead of time, you could have had reactions. You could have had them do speeches. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But no. Right. <laughs> but right. no, they didn't. They just had Phil Lamar. Wow. Reading out nominations and then reading out a winner for an hour. It's amazing. Wow. That's hilarious. Yeah. So again, it's just that thing of Comic-Con is... Uh, it, 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 I'll be curious to see what happens with New York Comic-Con, but I think that the trick is again comic con the conventions come from fans and then they grow and get codified and so it's kind of unsurprising that it's an ossified structure you know but when you're like ah oh, hopefully they can do it better to the extent to which i'm like kind of like eh meh is like a they're never going to give you the experience that you've had no, of course not. But right. I still think there's a better way to do it than what they've done. Oh, absolutely. Does that make sense? No, agree. Like, I, yeah. I, I, I think that it's been particularly bad. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. So it'll be very curious. I have a sneaking suspicion that it won't, it won't come to anything. Um, in a way, I mean, it'll just be another terrible one, and then everyone's just going to hope that it's going to go back to. Well, I mean, but I mean, that's just it, right? All of these are like this is. It's not like this is the start of something new. Right. This is literally them going, "Oh shit, okay, um, we'll do this instead." Right. Right. The shock is again. Why weren't they planning this months ago? mm Hmm. You know, it's not like it's a surprise that the Comic-Con was cancelled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, realistically, they should have known. Well, you know, I, I think... I think... I know that there's... There's a number of factors behind that, but, yeah, that's a good question. Um, oh, know, I mean, yes, there's the... For insurance reasons, they can't cancel it that far in advance. See, right? and I think that... that but uh, yeah, but right. at the same time, yeah. that doesn't mean that they shouldn't have known that it was going to happen. Right. No, I agree. I, I totally agree. I, you know, wait, I feel like everyone back in March should have really started busting out the worst case scenarios. It's just at that point... Plus, again, that's that's my thing is, is I definitely feel like 2020 has been like just horrifying in its look at how unprepared everyone is for everything yeah basically if you want to if you had to boil it down to its basics but But yeah but like legitimately 2020 Mm -hmm. has been not only a trash fire on almost every level Mm -hmm. it's also been uh, an indicator of how poorly everyone was prepared for something to go wrong right right 
Absolutely. Like no one had a plan B. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. For, for any number of reasons, but I do think one of the things that I think is, is fascinating about comics and who knows, again, maybe this is reflected in Comic-Con is when you look at the early days of the comics industry, um, you know, it was fast, agile, and shady, you know, and now that it's, it's just shady. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Thank you for getting to that punchline. But yeah, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like it's it's lazy and cumbersome and shady. So there's just there's no the idea that people are going to pivot about this sort of thing seems very, very unlikely to me. But we'll see. You know, like, I feel like that's the, I mean, I'll be really curious if we're still looking at this. What I think is amazing is the chance that there's a, there is a chance. I would say a, I mean, what would you say are the chances that there will, they'll be in the same situation next year in the sense of cannot have enough people gathering in a space? Uh, I think it's at least 50-50, right? That's what I think. I think if you're being maybe super optimistic and full of sunshine, you're going to say there's a 40% chance, you know, that it won't happen. But I think chances are, like you said, it's about 50-50. So you do hope that New York Comic Con's paying attention. You do hope that Comic Con at home is like, oh shit, we really got our asses handed to us we gotta have a better idea for it you know okay but here's my cynicism about that and this is about the eisners voting Mm -hmm. for argo they to all intents purposes have gotten away with it yes absolutely right you know Mm -hmm. uh the thrp's finally went up this week Mm -hmm. after two weeks in legal review yeah i say that as if it's two weeks where nothing happened it's two weeks of back and forth yes yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and literally, like, can we say this? No, we can't say this. What if we say this? Blah, blah, blah. Right. Back and forth. Nonetheless, and this is not me tooting my horn here. It's me saying THR is a mainstream publication mm-hmm. with a significant industry readership. Yes. Ran a story on Monday saying the premier awards of the comic book industry mm-hmm. have, at the very least – had uh, uh, an accidental disclosure of personal information of the voters and votes could have been changed. That's right. And there's no insight into whether or not that happened other than they say it didn't. That's right. There's no independent anything. And Comic-Con didn't respond after... Like, they didn't respond before it went live. Sure. There was nothing after it went live either. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, and the Eisner's just happened, and everyone got their awards, and everyone's happy, and I've only seen one winner say we're not accepting it because we're not sure about the legitimate. Oh, legitimate. really? Wow, good on that. A woman writer of comics is mm-hmm. the, the journalist one. Are the only people huh. who are like, like we're really honored. You know, it's just a shame that this happened, and here's the we don't actually know that we won this properly. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, and so, the award like don't get me wrong i'm not really looking for mariko tamaki and rosemary valero connor to be like we're not winners because fuck it i love laura dean keeps breaking up with me right but i wish that like i don't know i wish someone had gone you know what this is a problem Mm -hmm. and they didn't and so you know 
the, the idea that Comic Con at home are looking at are looking at things right now, being like, "We had our ass handed to them." No, they'll just they'll just be like, "Okay, that happened. Wasn't it exciting, boys and girls? Let's right. move on." Yeah, we don't have to worry about it happening again. And then cut to nine months from now, ten months from now, where it's like they're like, "Oh shit, looks like we got to do it again." Yeah. You know, it's well, let's get this going. And it's like, oh, it looks like someone poached our our password, our our, our domain. And is selling porn on it. It's like, okay, well, what what's ooh. domain? There's not a Comic Con at home domain, Jeff. There's not. Oh, no, Comic Con well, website. It's right. just the Comic Con website yeah. because all the videos are on YouTube. <laughs> That's it. You, again, right? You're fucking right. There'd be a Comic Con at home website. Yeah. There's not. Oh boy. Wow. Like, that's how poorly it was done. Well, yeah, they really were like, okay, we got to swing. We got to swing Comic-Con here under uh, 400 bucks. We, we've got a 400 even have budget. A, like, they didn't even have dead landing pages for each of the panel videos. Wow. But you had to go there exactly on the dot or afterwards. If you went there a minute before, you'd get that this page doesn't exist. Ooh. Thanks. Yeah, shit. Wow. Like, that's bullshit yeah that's total bullshit wow oh god well like so... that's just, like it's they really put the bare minimum in yeah the bare minimum wow uh it yeah it, it was it was really 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 badly done but again there's no impetus to do it better right right there really isn't no because you can basically poke all of the eisners and no one gives a shit mm-hmm because the winners won. Like, you know, that's right. fine. Right. Everyone moves on. Right. Like, it just, yeah. It, it, there's, <sighs> Marvel called their, their Comic-Con panels, by the way, Hall M, because of course they did. <laughs> Marvel, as far as I could tell, had three panels, one of which was about comics, two of which were about documentary series they're doing. Oh, that documentary series, right, for Disney, whatever, what the hell is it called, Inside Marvel? No, it's called Marvel 616, but that's okay, because there's also Marvel Storyboards, which is, I shit you not, a YouTube series where Joe Quesada talks to minor celebrities and Hugh Jackman about how they tell stories, (laughs) and basically interjects by going, I drew Daredevil. That, but that's on YouTube because clearly, like Disney Plus looked at it, but they're like, "Fucking no, fuck no." We 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 do not want to see Joe Quesada talk to an Olympic skater and then fall over on an ice rink. Wow, really? Is that really on there? <laughs> that's really on there. Oh my god! Wait, hang on. I've got to look. I've got to look up the the. You're gonna uh, have to send me the URLs, I guess, so I can. Well, they're not up yet, but they did. They did the. Uh, they did a lineup of the guests that I want to tell you. Um. Okay, here are the guests. You ready? Yes. Hugh Jackman mm-hmm. is on there. Bobby Lopez, the EGOT-winning songwriter of Frozen and Avenue Q. Johnny Weir, a former Olympic figure skater. Christian Borrell from Smash. That's NBC Smash, the, mm. the musical show about the musical. Margaret Stoll, Life of Captain Marvel writer. Uh, Sashir Z- uh, Zamata from SNL. Uh, Ed Vistures, the high-altitude mountaineer. Wow. Natalia Cordova Buckley from Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Nelson Figurosa, for, sorry, Figura, Figura, I can't pronounce his name, who's a former MLB pitcher for the New York Mets, Gilliam Jacobs from Community and Love, 
but mm-hmm. also directing an episode of Marvel 616. So exactly. Right. Sent you there. Um, the, the executive editor of Teen Vogue and a taboo from Black Eyed Peas. Oh. That's the lineup of people that Joe Quesada is talking to on an in-depth interview about how they tell stories. About how they tell stories. Yeah. Like, none of those people, with the exception of, like, the person writing, except for a few writers. Oh, no, no, well, no but his whole shtick, because he, he did a comical panel about this, and again, it's a panel I watched. Uh-huh. Where he basically goes, he basically goes, uh... I realized that, like, everyone tells stories. Because you go home and you say to your family, guess what happened to me today? Everyone tells stories. And I wondered, is there a way to talk about how they tell stories and how Marvel tells stories? Oh, Jesus Christ. Which is, like, the, the flimsiest thing in the world. Like, the <laughs> First thing you do, you get Jack Kirby to tell a story. Then you go home and you tell it to the people at you your dining table like it happened to them. Before C.B. Sabolsky was Marvel's editor-in-chief, he had a cooking show. Yes. No, I thought about the cooking show, the whole, like, hang out and have yes. dinner with C.B. Yes. Sabolsky. Yeah. That, that is still a better concept than fucking Joe side show. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. Well, I don't so... even know if that's still on YouTube. I hope it is. I hope the cooking with C.B. or whatever it's called is... is they, I actually have the horrible feeling it was called hanging with C.B. Oh, God, please no. Um, I, I, but I hope that's still on YouTube somewhere. Oh, I hope so. If only for the bit where he goes, and here's my friend, Akira Ishida. What's that here? And it's just a voice off the screen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Graham. Oh, Graham. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. There um, you go. Yeah, no, so, but yeah, Marvel's done, as far as I could tell, three panels for Comic-Con, and two of them were for documentary series, and one of them was for comics. Mm-hmm. I mean, it must be wrong. There must have been a, ter- a second comics one. That just seems weird. But if not, it, that really says a lot about where Marvel's priorities are right now. Yeah, yeah, completely. Uh, okay, so here's the, here's the comics news that I wanted to ask you about. Oh, good, yes. Um, How do you feel about the, the entire Walking Dead being re-released in color? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was deeply uninteresting. It makes sense, but, I mean, I guess... I mean, it's just so weird to me mm-hmm. that like they're putting out and I was going to say single issue format, but it's not. It's like two issues every for every color issue, right? Oh, is it? I don't know. I literally saw it in color. I'm shocked that they're doing it individual like, issues. I think it's like two issues. Every, but they're not putting out in collected editions, they said. Really? What? That was part of the movement. Oh, huh. Because when they said it, I just assumed they were Scott Pilgriming it and they were going to no. release like... No, it's single, it's single issues, except it's not. I think it's two issues for every color issue. What the fuck? Why would they do that? Because Robert Kirkman wants some sort of guaranteed revenue stream for the next few years? Well, see, that's it. I mean, at least in my experience, has there ever been a, we did it in black and white the first time, and so we're doing it in color the second time, and that that works for any extended period. You know what I, I mean? mean? Scott, Scott Pilgrim color collections did really well. Right. Did really well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and... uh, I'm, I'm not looking. So, so the, uh, the walking dead ran for 16 years. Right. So if, if they are doing two issues, two black and white issues to every color issue, that's still an eight year run of comics. Wow. That's nuts to me. Yeah, I mean, are they are they lower price oh, too? No, wait, oh shit, no, did I misread it? Okay, tell me what. Yeah, no, it's it's issue to issue, 
But they're releasing it twice a month. Oh, no! Oh, God! Ugh. Ugh. It's like Tales of the Teen Titans all over again or something. Huh, I... You can laugh, but I, I picked up Tales of the Teen Titans. I couldn't get the new Teen Titans at that time, but I, I did pick up Tales. picked up Tales of the Legion of Superheroes as well. That's right. That's right. And then after a year when they were supposed to start printing the full-color ones, they just folded or something, right? No, what? no, no. They actually go really far. Did um, they? Oh, good. Yeah, Tales of the Teen Titans went for like another 30 issues after that. Huh. Yeah, and, and I want to say like Legion made it at least two years or three years as a reprint. Wow. Wow. I take it back then. I had I had no idea, Graham. Uh, I, I haven't been paying attention. Of course, you know me. Walking Dead. Bought it. Read it. Liked it. Um, I... You really liked it. That's that's kind yeah. of why I was, I was wondering yeah, if you, yeah, yeah. You, ha- you had an opinion, but, but clearly you don't. I really don't. I really don't. Because I think that... Um, I don't know. You know, it's... it's I, I'm curious, it, it would take a, a better mind than mine to parse out how much of that is Walking Dead is a title you don't really need to revisit once you've read it the first time through, and how much of it is I'm just not a person who sits down and rereads material the way that I used to. You know? I also wonder if it's, uh, you know, talking about not being something you need to revisit. I wonder if it has like a lost effect or a Battlestar effect where like the ending you know, was not what people wanted. And so they're going to be like, man, okay. I mean, it could maybe. I mean, I think that I think so for me, I think what happened with Walking Dead was a little bit of the um, they start it. It it started when the sales were plummeting and Kirkman was like speeding through shit too quickly. He was kind of speeding through shit too quickly, but it really seemed like they weren't necessarily hmm i un, unlike stuff where lost and battlestar galactica had quote unquote mysteries like there wasn't much of a mystery to walking dead like one of the things that or, or a point well see okay <laughs> no i mean, i'm i'm being snarky and bitchy but also i kind of mean it well right? Like, yeah. like Walking Dead, uh, unlike Lost or, or Battlestar Galactica, like they had mysteries, but they also promised like a big reveal. They promised a resolution. Well, I think anyway, that's honestly, the Walking Dead reveal. never did. Well, yeah, exactly. Like I, I would say one of the things that Walking Dead did relatively early on was they squelched the are we going to try and resolve the mystery of where the zombies came from? You know, for example, no. You know, like as opposed to something like Why the Last Man, which like always seemed to have a little bit of that in a in a weird way, which I thought it didn't. Of course, it didn't really resolve or do anything special with, but they toyed with it for a while. Um, I feel Walking Dead was very much kind of like, here's Rick Grimes and you're going to see where this character ends up in the end and where it's going to be where he ends up is going to be incredibly different from where you see him here. And that, I think, is the closest you get to a a mission statement from Kirkman relatively early on. And I think he, for me, he kind of lived up on on that statement. Like, ultimately, and spoilers for those people who don't, who didn't finish The Walking Dead or are planning on reading it or whatever, the, it more or less ends with, 
Rick dying and, and, you know, <clears throat> and that's kind of the end of it. So, you know, by the time he's died, he's more or less quote unquote rebooted civilization. And that's kind of, I don't know how to describe it. Like that's, it, it wasn't necessarily disappointing. Um, but I think, and I also wouldn't say that it wasn't necessarily pointless. One of the things that I thought that why I enjoyed reading the walking dead, um, issued issue to issue is for the most part Kirkman did a very good job at realizing what he needed to do sort of on an issue by issue basis sometimes the cliffhangers were a little were definitely more than a little forced but more Mm -hmm. often than not that they were they were there also I think one of the things that Kirkman did that he did very well is he 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 kept his supporting cast more or less fresh the people who were there at the end of the series there were very few people characters who were there at the beginning and sure in a way you had that investment with them some of them anyway and with others you know once a certain character died a bunch of pop bunch of people just dropped off the book or once rick grimes left the fucking tv show or whatever it was that was the the chilling event for for the book where a bunch it just started shedding readers but for myself i think there was even in kirkman's overly um truncated approach or a a, a minimal uh, approach to it there was what i think of as con the what i tend to read comic books for which is Who's going to fall in love with who? Who's going to die? Who's going to betray whom to, you know, who to who, et cetera, et cetera. Like, and, and I think part of why I sort of have wandered so far away from superhero comics is they similarly ossified to the point where um, they just didn't have, like, I'm not really particularly interested in anyone. I'm not particularly interested in any of the, supporting characters as much there's exceptions to that and there you know but i mean really what i tend to follow are creators more than books and titles and i'm i'm definitely not the type of guy who follows kirkman from book to book walking dead was an anomaly but you know i've been reading a lot of manga lately of course and and recently in the last couple of weeks and one of the things that really strikes me is how much a narrative engine is is something you can has it has its own propulsion but whether or not you actually want to revisit it i think does depend on what else you manage to sneak in there i guess and maybe mm-hmm. for things like manga it's very easy to have stuff a lot of extra stuff that's there simply because the culture is different. And so you can come back to things and be like, Oh, back when I read this, I didn't really understand that, you know, the Japanese are terrifyingly xenophobic, you know, or whatever. But, um, uh, so all of which is to say, I think, I think there's, I've, I'm also someone who never saw much of a difference between a comic book in black and white and one in color. Like those people who are like, Oh, I would never buy a comic that wasn't, in color which was Mm -hmm. a thing that people were saying way back because i'm old 
back during the black and white boom of the 80s, for Christ's sake. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it, that just never has really none of those things really ring my train. Yeah. One and like that, that that thinking is always funny to me because like I grew up with like British comics, mm-hmm. which were black and white. Right. You right. know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, that, that, like, you know, I, I, I know people who not they have problems with black and white comics, mm-hmm. but like color comics feel more legit. Yeah. I mean, again, so you know? I'm like, what does that even mean? You know, like, I get that they have a thing about it, but to me, it's sort of like those people who don't like letterbox format on their televisions, you know, like they, they can't help but see that black bar at the top and bottom. It's like, I'm like, but you'll forget about it. One of the things that I I have also been thinking about while the last couple of weeks uh, has been while reading manga is is part of the joy is being a, a really careless reader being a, a quote-unquote lazy reader like there's times where i can sit down and look at a comics page and appreciate it um and even appreciate the art but there's there's times particularly because i've been uh haiku which is the volleyball manga that i read something like 126 chapters of way back when and loved and then just but i I just it I had the potato chip effect. I got I had to stop for a while and I never came back to it. They finally had their final chapter uh last week. So I was like, "Oh shit, I'll I'll reread this all and Graham and I Graham, you know, <laughs> I'll read 400 chapters and then squeeze it in into a 3-minute discussion at the end of the show like I usually do." And uh but revisiting it a, I was like, oh shit, there's no way I'm going to read 400 chapters in a week. And I'm only up to like chapter 62 or something like that, or 70. But while reading it, one of the things that I found is I'm like, wow, I'm not like the artist on Haiku, the Mankoka, whose name I can't remember, and I should look it up, but the computer's too far away, is just, he uh, is expressive. But it's not really like, I mean, they're just, in some cases, they're like really good storyboards. And I think he does a very good job of knowing how to carry his story. Because there's times where it's all of a sudden, where things start, are where there's supposed to be, there's a lot of control of time in the page. But it's not so much a um, cartoon, it's not so much just, oh, look at this, it's a pretty picture. It's like his eye he he moves you right through the page moves you through the page there's a moment where it stops and you kind of catch your breath and everything looks beautiful and then it's back to it might as well be like little talking heads um uh all of which is say i'm not i wonder sometimes how much comic book reading does reward lazy and careless reading like you know which is the sort of thing that I think we would be loath to talk about considering that was always the, oh, comic books will rot your brain theory that, you know, we all spent. No, but is it though? Because like, well, you and I have talked more than once about our love for basically pulp hack comics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And isn't that the same thing? Like, isn't, isn't lazy reading and comics that are basically shit out to me the deadline? I feel they're on a on a continuum. Well, uh, I guess to tie it in with the earlier part of the conversation, um, 
they're on a continuum in a way where the latter does not punish the former, if you know what I mean, you know. Sure. Um, And so if nothing else, it, it gets away. I mean, I think you and I have... I would argue that our part of our love of pulp hacked, hacked out crap is the fact that it is so bad that it floats below our bar, our, the, you know, the bar of what, and we notice it again. You know what I mean? Like the really, is, is that what it is? Like, like we have an expectation. Yeah. And if it's either above or like significantly below, <laughs> that it, it, like if it's significantly below, it achieves some sort of like transcendent beauty of its own accord. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. I mean, it's noticeable. It's sort of in the same way that good art can, can, can sort of break you out of your habit of just flipping the pages and looking at it. You're like, Oh yeah, look at that. And the, you know, similarly, it's like, Holy shit. What was Jerry Conway thinking? Like, you know, that's not the way science works. You know, or whatever it ends up happening to be. But yeah, I do think that there is a lot to be said for, uh, you know, The Walking Dead was was a great little read the first time through. It it really, honestly, genuinely was the comic book that I would was on the top of my weekly pile of books when it on the week that it came out but it was also very rarely a comic that i re-read i guess you know like i'm i'm sort of wondering about comics the the pile of comics as essentially a it being what we would think of what what other things are normally a single aesthetic experience a pile of comics has to be gives you that experience in aggregate you know what i mean like you fill in the things that you don't get from walking dead you get from reading immortal hulk and the net or you get from reading batman or bendis's superman or an archie comic you know what i mean and by being able to kind of pile through all of those in the course of you know a lunch break or an evening or something you get a you get a complete aesthetic experience that none of the pieces can deliver individually, I suppose, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and I don't, I don't necessarily know how true that is, but there's times where it feels, there's times where it's personally very true for me, you know? Um, so, uh, all of which is to say, I, I don't know. I feel like, Graham, I know that there's a question that I can do. What do you think about the color books? <laughs> I take it you don't have much interest in them. You're not like, I, I, I don't, but I, yeah. I had a follow-up question unrelated except for the fact it's also an image comic. Okay. What do you think about the Donny Cates announced uh, crossover series? Huh? I apparently okay. don't know it. Yeah. I, have, I have previously said that Donny Cates is Mark Miller, basically. Yes, yep. And you might remember Mark Miller's 1985, in which the Marvel superheroes and villains of 1985 came out into the real world, quote unquote, in 1985. Right. So, Don has announced a new comic at Comic Con. Mm-hmm. It's called Crossover, in which the superheroes and villains of today, <laughs> come the real world of today. Uh, this and is for Marvel. Is it a Marvel thing? It's for Image. Oh, it's, it's for, for image. image. It's an Image comic. Oh, I see. Um, but here's the thing. What would make this comic simultaneously worse and yet strangely more compelling to me in particular? Mm. Uh... There's two things 
and they're both very minor, but they're two things that made me go from, oh my god, he's literally just doing 1985 again, to he's doing 1985, but it has these two things that mean I'm going to at least check out the first issue. Ah, they end up on a reality TV show about cooking? No, that's that's very... I mean, it, it would, let's be honest. <laughs> um, but no. The no. Great British Bake Off? Uh, no, um... But let, uh, remind me after after this to tell you about my new reality television show obsession. But ooh, okay, okay, that sounds great. Uh, I don't know, Graham. I think I'm 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 out. The smallest of them is that it's edited by Mark Wade, which seems so very strange to me. Yeah, that I'm like, okay, weird. Hmm. But here's here's the big one. Apparently, the hero in the comic is a direct market retailer, which feels. <laughs> so pandering <laughs> like so shockingly pandering yeah that's a great idea yeah yeah, yeah. i can't quite get over it and also i can't imagine any way that that's not going to be shit yeah i wonder the edited by mark white do you think that it was something that more or less they hooked that was something in the pipeline at humanoids and then some sort of yeah, something that, fell honestly, through that was that was my thought like yeah. this is a humanoids book they ended up an image wow um, yeah, we'll we'll see. Anyway, it's launching in I think October. Holy yeah, shit! Crossover, yeah, right. Uh, that that Donny Cates man, he just he like he can't help but come up with all those new ideas that people have had many times before. Well, I got to tell you, you're right. But I mean, in the sense of he he did it, he did a better job. Like crossover is a clever title in that sense, right? Sure. I mean, it's it's a smarter title. That it, like if if Miller's 1985 had been called crossover, people might have been more into it. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, crossover, unless I'm entirely misremembering, was the name of the Ultimate Fantastic Four storyline where he introduced Marvel Zombies. No, oh, I thought it was the entire gimmick, and I and again, yes, I no, the no, no, right, was that everyone thought that he was crossing over with the main Marvel universe. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I'm going to have to look up now. No, I, Oh, whether or not that's the story. I mean, I definitely remember that being the hook. Uh, and the fact that he went off and did the zombified thing. I mean, let's face it. That, that, Uh, that's all crossover. It's, it was a crawl crossover. It's it's all, that's all a bunch of cynical genius, you know, like, uh, um, you know, I, did I tell you that I, I realized like way too late how much I I came up with the the ultimate, a John Constantine storyline that, that, of course, was because I thought of it six years too late. It's absolutely impossible to do. But it, it would be the idea where you would uh, more or less have a writer come in. You'd have editorial announce that they are, that there's going to be that John Constantine is going to take on an apprentice. And of course it's a character that looks exactly like Keanu Reeves. And the idea is that you you're playing off the idea that people know that the Constantine movie was coming out and you just all hook this up with this, you know, basically buy into everyone's completely cynical fears that they're going to bump off the, the character that we know and love to make it, make the character match up with the way mm-hmm. that the big multi-million dollar rollout's going to be. And then of course what ends up happening is Constantine literally sacrifices 
the Keanu Reeves character in F more or less, you know, sets him up in his identity. So the demons end up dragging him screaming to hell so that Constantine manages to, to live another day. So it's, it's a reverse Nick Fury is what you're saying. It is. It is. It's like the Nick Fury thing, except, and see, this is it because Marvel does ridiculous bullshit like the nick fury thing that you can actually do stuff like you, this yeah where you're you could like, legitimately play on that yeah because otherwise people are like they're never gonna do that and then you remember oh marcus johnson yes exactly who you marcus now johnson call nick and his fury. best friend cheese who at the end of that fucking comic i think it was battle scars it was called you're yes. like cheese isn't his real name no shit his real name is phil uh, coulson fuck agent coulson whatever yeah. Coulson's <laughs> first name is phil coulson <laughs> Marcus Johnson, your dad is Nick Fury. What? Okay, we've also cut out your eye. Is there anything <laughs> you want to tell us? Yeah, I'm calling myself Nick Fury now. <laughs> what? I'm honoring his legacy. What? <laughs> why? Because because I because fucking Samuel L. Jackson. That's why. Okay, then sure. I mean, again, there's just that weird thing of like how old is he you know what i mean like samuel l jackson is not a young guy right like just whenever you see all this stuff where it's like hey it's nick fury's son whatever his name is i'm like it's nick fury his nick fury's son nick fury because he takes on his dad's well, name no i know but how old is nick fury jr now like he's not you know samuel uh, l I mean, jackson if, ages yeah, very if, well if but you, if you think about like marvel continuity and marvel aging and everything realistically he's got to be in his mid to late 20s right and he's kind of drawn that way i mean part of it part of the problem may have been was mark bagley involved or was i just getting mark bagley i believe was indeed drawing battle scars yeah so i think that's part of the problem is makes everyone looks 12 which is a problem exactly so by the end of it like I'm like, this is even further away from me being able to imagine this is Samuel L. Jackson than before, you know? Like but Jeff, they introduced Nick Fury's son, who you'd never heard of. Um, they then <laughs> cut out his eye, gave him super spy skills, and renamed him in a six-issue series. Yeah. And by the way, his slacker friend is called Agent Coulson. Cheese. I gotta tell you, Graham, this is, this is, this is hearing you discuss this with such, like, just disdain is, um, is really, really delightful. I gotta say, I'm I'm glad I, 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 um, I'm glad I could please you with this (laughs) absolutely are you kidding whenever i just feel like i wish we had a soundboard because whenever uh you edit this you could add in i know i know and i never do because i always feel like like there's i think there should be an episode maybe for our 300th episode like actually Edited, isn't it? Yeah, it might be next episode. Isn't that really soon? Yeah, no, I like the next episode or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, it it, it is. Um, Uh, I'm I'm gonna have to look it up now. This is uh, (laughs) no, it is. This is way about 299. Yeah, exactly. So, like, for the 300th episode, like, edit it like it's the, the morning crew. With Graham and Jeff, and then have the barrel wacka 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 ee ee ee, and just every time you say something, I can cut to you like the soundboard of you going, "Jeez," because you're disdain. 
Mmm, cheese. 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 <laughs> See, this is, I appreciate you kind of giving me all the samples now. It's going to be really hard not to. Uh, so I should mention that, because um, I, I think I, I said it last week when we were off air, that I picked up um, Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics, the graphic novel biography by good old Tom Scioli, mm-hmm. uh, published by 10 Speed Press. And uh, I just finished it today. It's not an especially long book, honestly. It's maybe only... Uh, 120 pages I don't, hold on let's see does it matter no damn it kindle um uh no don't don't do that please don't do that <laughs> it's doing that do and it, i do it yeah it's like 210 pages has an index uh has his uh biographical uh, sources and things um a bibliography all that good stuff uh i didn't like it uh, which is really a bummer. Um, okay, why? Well, okay, so there's a lot of problems. Um, I think when I mentioned it to you, you mentioned a little bit of trepidation about it because you and I like Tom Scioli's stuff when it is um, kind of being profoundly batshit and kind of off the wall. And it seems like there's not really a good space for that in a biography if you're doing a legit biography. Yeah. Um so I think that's hard. He it is it is literally an unauthorized biography, which I think is interesting in the sense that it was not okayed by the Kirby estate. It it wasn't approved by it or by any of the companies or other individuals that are mentioned in it. And so therefore you would think that for me there was a little bit of a like, oh boy, the gloves are off, but it's, exactly. It's like they must have done something to not be approved. Yeah, right. Um, but I think that it's all, you know, most of the stuff that talks about what's going on for Kirby in, say, Marvel or DC really isn't anything that if you hadn't read, say, Sean Howe's uh, Marvel Comics The Untold Story, for example... You know, it wouldn't necessarily be news. Like there was some real, there were little bits and pieces that were kind of interesting. But yeah, I just, uh, Scioli makes the choice of drawing Kirby in a weirdly semi-kawaii style. Like really big eyes. Like he's he's a cartoon character in the midst of... Um, usually photo reference stuff and at least, you know, Sealy's got kind of a loose line, but, but more or less of photo realistic settings. So I could see how you could actually make that work. In fact, part of me was like, well, I'm a manga guy. I, I'm, I'm okay with cartoon I can make this work. Yeah, yeah. But Sealy really doesn't it needed an editor like there's weird portions where all of a sudden um there's like maybe three pages where all of a sudden even though the story's been told with as kirby as the narrator of his own life suddenly you'll get like three pages from Roz's point of view about how she and 
Kirby met and their first date and stuff like that. But again, told from her point, and I think there's one page where all of a sudden you're seeing stuff from like Stan Lee's point of view or maybe Joe Simon's, I forget whose. And it's, that was a very poor choice. Like, I'm not quite sure why Scioli thought that, I mean, I think maybe it's that classic, like, oh, it was a going to start off as a kaleidoscope of voices and then i narrowed it down to kirby's but i really wanted to keep these pieces here for some specific blah 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 but it it is it's it the whole project just screamed it needed more editing more revising and i think in a way more thought but even beyond that with the exception of there's a there's a section where kirby goes to war where some of the store, some of the the stories, the his war stories, some of which I knew, but a lot of which I didn't, are told, and they have a kind of brilliant sort of brutal panache to them, and it pointed the way to where you could see. <sighs> Scioli, I think, has managed to produce a pretty impressive and interesting body of work by hmm, by a lot of gestural creations, I suppose. Like, he's able to point at things inside and outside the work. You know, like, when you look at something as... Uh, impressive and insane, and insane as G.I. Joe's versus Transformers, um, he's able to not only tell a really crazy, over-the-top G.I. Joe Transformers story, but layered throughout it are specific shout-outs to other comics at the time, or there's a way in which he his the comic to not... To avoid not getting too painfully meta about it, manages somehow to create a context for itself, a super context for the comic within the comic that, you know, usually but not always is a reflection of the other comic influences that Scioli is seeing and tracing and, and drawing out in it. There is so little of that, unfortunately, in Kirby's uh, A Life in Comics that you kind of hope it just it it's it's the classic like it's too reverent to Kirby. It just doesn't have enough context. It doesn't. There's even a thing. There's even a case to be made where I was like, you know, it'd be amazing if if Cioli just took Kirby's like as someone who actually can really kind of bite Kirby's style successfully, like do it in Kirby's different styles. Cause one of the things that, that Scioli is championing championing is how sort of large Kirby's life was in the comics field. You know, there's the first third of the book is very much about, you know, Kirby's youth, but then he very early on partners up with Joe Simon and, the rise and fall of comics while they're trying to write it out is pretty, should be remarkable. But in fact, you don't really have much of a sense of who Joe Simon is, barely. I I mean, there's no reason, like, 
when their relationship falls apart or out there it's just it's mentioned in half a sentence it's it's the it's the usual thing that people complain about when they complain about unsatisfied biographies essentially except somehow it's more so unusual like that yeah i expect it better just because he is such a kirby Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely well i think he has I mean, I think I think there there is a problem with being shackled to somebody that, you know, A, you want to be so reverent about and B, I mean, you know, like it's a little hard to consider alternatives, I guess, about the way that Kirby presented himself. Like there, the one thing that gets downplayed pretty uh, heavily is how it's mentioned in the book, which you got to give him credit for, but like Kirby signed a deposition, you know, basically signed papers saying that Joe Simon and he did not create Captain America, that it was created at the behest of, um, at, at the editorial design, that it was a true work for higher creation. Kirby did that at a time where he was incredibly beholden to Marvel. And at least as I remember the story from Sean Howe's Marvel Comics, The Untold Story, uh, Martin Goodman more or less promised Kirby a cut of participation and royalties in the Marvel characters that Kirby had created that were blowing up at the time. So you have a moment where Kirby more or less betrays his partner of 20 or 30 years. And it's also a partner that you see in the first part of this book. And so like there's, there's, that's an incredibly important moment in a man's life. And yet you do not see it. You see it happen, but it's, you know, it's just the classic biographical error of like, this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, you know, with the weird exception of it looks like, um, you know, the story is happening to goddamn Bambi, except Bambi smokes cigars, you know? So it's, yeah. um, it, it, it really was a bummer. I started off reading it, and... I wanted so much to love it. And so maybe it'll be interesting to see if you end up revisiting it or if you end up visiting it and you're like, oh, it wasn't that bad. Or if other listeners check it out. But for me, I was really bummed by how much by the end of the book it ended up kind of feeling like homework, you know. And if there was one person that I really thought could have made an imaginative leap uh with the material it would have been him are you whistling in the background by the way i told no, you no that is that is police sirens because i live in portland oregon oh okay thanks i was like i know graham there's times where you're very patient and just you know yeah and that, that is just whistle yeah it's <laughs> like <laughs> i like that they're not entertaining me enough and so i'm just gonna whistle over you. no those are police sirens because i live in portland oregon yes sorry yes how in uh, that's incredibly fucked up and kind of terrifying. Hey, do you want to know what's fucked up? Walking, uh, going on a walk last night, it took maybe 20 minutes, half an hour. Yeah. And seeing like five different police cars. Oof. Yeah. Man, yeah. That is. I, I want to emphasize for people who are listening, um, 
the the uh, the idea that like Portland is a city in like city on fire mm-hmm. is hundred percent not true. Right, like it's genuinely not true. Mm-hmm. The protests are in a relatively small area downtown, mm-hmm. and yet where I live is far removed from there. Right, and walking to put movies back to the movie store last night, I saw five different police cars. Man, yep, yep. Mm. <laughs> that so so Graham does yeah does being in Portland, Oregon, in the summer of 2020, affects how you the, the, the dumbest variation of this question possible affect your how you take in this material. Um, you well, know, what is this material? This material about? being well, I mean, you know, you and I were not what? Uh, oh, so so you're saying like uh, comic dread books region. and dread? dread well, there's dread, dread of course. Dread yeah, very differently right now. Yeah, can't deny it. Um, on the Wait What Instagram this week, I posted three pages, well, actually just two pages, from Far Sector, mm-hmm. um, which it has the, the Green Lantern that book, whose name I can't remember for the fucking life of me, uh, addressing the local law enforcement and being like, so you're basically attacking protesters. Mm. <laughs> like, uh, why are you doing that? Right. I, like Things like that leap out at me much more, but at the same time, like I've been reading much more Green Lantern. Hmm. Who was a fucking space cop, you know? Right, right. Um, so, yes, it probably does. Um, I'll be honest. My – yes, it does, but, like, lots of things do right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I'm working on a big story for THR that isn't going to be live for a while. Um, and that's that's impacting – not only what I'm reading, but how I'm reading it. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking about the Eisners and like all that voting, like has impacted it. Mm-hmm. Uh, COVID has impacted everything. Like mm-hmm. it, it all is. Do you know what I mean? Like I feel like I'm I'm reading and 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 watching and 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 everything slightly differently because of all of this that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, living in Portland, Oregon, right now impacts it. Sure. Mm-hmm. But not as much as it could. Mm-hmm. Like I have existential dread about what is happening in in my city and in my country. Right. And I feel that deeper than I feel. Like, oh man, this issue of Superman is hitting differently. You know. <laughs> well, uh, I suppose what I mean is is that. Um, uh, is it hitting differently in the way that it's like not landing as well you, or at all? You know what I mean? Like there, there are times where I can't figure out if I'm going through uh, yet another process of me as a not young man, like in my fifties being like, what am I getting out of this? What am I doing? How much of this am is it coming from enjoyment? How much of it's coming from compulsion? How much of it is literally I mean, it being it, better than the alternative, which is the real world? You know? I, I, I have found that I am reading, I'm revisiting older stuff a lot more, mm-hmm. which I don't think is unrelated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, not just in comics. Like I have been fucking obsessed with like Mike Nesmith's music from the monkeys. Mm. In, 
Mm-hmm. Like, you want to turn this into two hours of me talking about tapioca tundra? I'm right fucking there. <laughs> um, and, like, we're watching more old movies, you right. know? Mm-hmm. Part of that is, like, you know, with the streaming services, it's easy to do so. Definitely. But but at the same time, like like I said, we're going to the movie store and we're getting stuff out. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the Music Man isn't on fucking HBO Max, and yet did I fucking rent it? Yes, I did. Did I enjoy it? I really fucking did. Had you seen it before? I'd never seen it before. Oh, my God. It's so good, isn't it? It's so good. And uh, one of the things I <laughs> Clay thinks I'm nuts for saying this. There's uh, there are bits in there that I'm like, I feel like this is laying musical groundwork for hip hop, <laughs> even though I know there's no way it is. Huh? But like the opening number where they're on the train mm-hmm. and trouble, mm-hmm. uh, the the you got trouble song, right? In particular, right? I feel is doing stuff that I wouldn't hear again, or you know. People wouldn't hear again because I heard this afterwards. Right. Like, until you get to rap. Hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's just fascinating. Uh, yeah. So I, but, but yeah, like, I'm doing that. Um, uh, again, monkeys, but like, rewatched Ted this week. Mm. Oh, you right. Know? You told uh, me that was going to be. You know, Beyond come Valley of the Dolls last right. weekend. So I was telling you, you know, uh, Holy Mountain is tomorrow, by the way, Jeff. Yay! I know, oh, I my God. Decided, yeah. Uh, it's going to be a uh, uh, 100 degree day. Oh, we God. have no air conditioning. Oh shit! Uh, and we're going to watch Holy Mountain. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> I've never seen it before, so I'm going to be watching Holy Mountain for the first time. Oh, uh, it's a it's a shame we can't get you high because it seems like that's the only piece missing is some mescaline. It's, it's, you know? Yeah, it's going to be a whole fucking experience. Oh um, man. No, but so yeah, so I, I like I I don't think the idea that, like I'm I'm watching old stuff and rereading old stuff and, and listening to old stuff is entirely unrelated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't like again. Like I feel like uh, what is happening is um, yes, of impacting everything, but feels much bigger than all of that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, I. Going to protests is not me being like, oh, you know what? I, you know, I was listening to Mike Nesmith this morning, and then I read a, you know, Apocalypse, like Armageddon 2001, and now I'm going to the protests because that completes my nostalgia fest. It's just like six to eight, like it's not, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I see that. So, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I know what you're asking. But mm-hmm. I, they feel it colors it, but it also feels entirely separate. I guess right. is what I'm saying. I um uh, part of what made me think of this is, uh, and I don't think that we talked about it, but um, a I I think when you and I were talking off off air about what we've been watching and things like I still haven't watched the old guard. And one of the things I said was like, Oh yeah, I want to see it. Cause Rucka being Rucka. And we talked about Stumptown and the fact that he seems to be having some degree of success outside comics at the moment or prose and good for him. Cause he's a hardworking dude. But that being said, somebody pointed out the whole finale to Lois Lane 12, which people did not like for Oh, it seems like a strata of reasons. But one thing that people pointed to on social media was the fact that one of Lois's friends gets freed from an ICE facility. And people are like, 
why the fuck are you having like why why are you putting ice in the same comic as superman because why would superman be sitting there letting ice operate you know what i mean you're very quiet did you mute yourself or i did i'm sorry (laughs) that's okay i accidentally muted myself um on the one hand like that's addressed in the comic is it? What does it say? It's not like, addressed particularly well, but it's basically like, you know, Lois, you've got to let the people make their own mistakes type bullshit. Like, that's early on, because sure. the, the ice stuff doesn't come out of nowhere in the, the final issue. Right. Um, on the, uh, like, there's also, you can arguably make the connection, or at least he arguably makes the connection, that the ice stuff and the idea of immigration is kind of related to other things he's talking about. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a clumsy and imperfect and, to be honest, kind of insulting way that he connects them. Right. I don't think you can legitimately say, like, you know, immigrants to America and immigrants from another reality are the same thing. Right. Which he's, like, he's basically edging close to. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the, the other thing that, that sort of ties into that is, like, yeah, I totally see the point, but also I can also see why he's writing about it. Well, I I guess I can sort of see too, but I think that is my part of the other reason why it's a lot easier for me at the moment to have dropped uh, hours of my time into 70 chapters of high school volleyball playing is I'm like, oh yeah, like you don't like it's not pretty... everything has to be about the real world. Well, no, I mean, h- high school volleyball is the real world. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't ha- it doesn't push its face up against the glass of I mean, I could be like, oh, sure, like people are actually getting, you know, I'm I'm aware that it's not couldn't happen at because of COVID here in America or whatever, you know, because we can't get this many people in a gym, but there's there is something there's times where America is has been so such a tire fire this year that I do sometimes edge closer to picking up comic books and superhero comics, I should say, uh, from the big two and being like, I don't, what does this have to say about, you know, life or my life or, you know, and to what extent that, to the extent that it doesn't or never did, like, why can't we get something a little bit better out of that? You know what I mean? Like Rucka's sweet spot of like, oh, I'm going to say something about immigrants, um, you know, happening in a world where you're like, oh, man, like, you know, all of this stuff. I guess what I'm saying is, is there is America seems to have hit a point where it is very hard for me to believe in the existence of superheroes in a way that I could have you know i guess or suspend my disbelief and i don't i'm hoping i'm not steering us into a you know yes jeff lester there is a santa claus kind of finale here but i just mean like i'm just like i don't like superman is such a hard character like to to have any belief is as happening in the real world not from the sense of seeing someone in their underwear not in the sense of seeing someone lift up a battleship with their bare hands but just in a stage of like the inequity and injustice of things seems so terribly unfair and in a way that only gets addressed in 
I mean, let's face it, that's some that's some pretty weak tea to have Superman be like, well, you know, you just got to let the people decide to let children starve in cages. You know? No, no, no. I I I think like I think you're right. Uh Superman of all characters uh is utterly defeated when you bring in that sort of thing to it, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, you on you pull a thread that you can't resow. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You're actually unraveling the whole thing. Mm-hmm. If Superman stands for truth to justice in the American way, then the idea that he's going to stand to one side when this happens, like it breaks the concept of Superman. Right. Like he just doesn't. That's yeah. one of the times when Superman makes a stand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't think you're wrong in saying it's very hard for me to to be able to imagine or or like believe in superheroes or or even enjoy superheroes right at this particular time because i mean just fucking look at the news right, right? Mm-hmm. like it's it's not it's where are you finding like where's the optimism right now mm-hmm. legitimately right exactly you know? um where where's the idea i mean uh you saw the 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 navy vet here in portland right yes absolutely yeah and like that guy is fucking great Yes. Yeah. You know, it's right. like good for him. Right. He like fine. He can be a superhero. Right. But but he can't. Right. Mm-hmm. He's a hero. Because mm-hmm. if he's a superhero, he would do more because that's what superheroes do. Superheroes do more than regular people can do. That's their entire gimmick. Right. Well, right? or or right. There is a little. I think there's something to the the gimmick of them writing wrongs like believe me with the navy guy uh to me what he did was super heroic i mean in the sense of he literally put up with punishment that that i can't even conceive of oh yeah no it's 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 amazing right like seeing him get completely like literally wailing on him Mm -hmm. with the batons and then get pepper sprayed in the face and he doesn't flinch yeah it's, it's amazing. It's yeah. genuinely amazing. And also that he then walks away and flips in the double bird. Right. It's great as well. Um, and like, dude, that, that dude's older than us, Jeff. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Also yeah. go, oh, shit. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, I, I don't, I don't think you're wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that this is going to sound super weird. It's almost easier for me because for me, superheroes have always kind of been this unreal childlike thing. Sure, which makes sense. Do you know what I mean? And like, it's I'm, the I'm, smartest like, hey, way. Yeah, absolutely. I fucking love super friends. Yeah, like, yeah, blah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Right. And so I, they, I don't know if it's like they were already broken or they were already divorced from reality or I, I already didn't believe in them the same way or something. Right. But like I don't have that break that you do. Right. But I also think that your break is entirely valid and also sensible, mm. for want of a better way of putting it, mm. um, given what's happening. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I appreciate that. I, I don't think I, I'm loath to, to sort of be like, yes, I always took them seriously, you know, like, but I don't know. I seem to have existed in some area, like you said. Older comics are easier because I think there's already the bind of nostalgia or it's a different place back then. Like I read a couple of stories um, 
I checked out from Hoopla uh, Superboy, a celebration of 75 years, because I was like, this is going to be amusing as time goes on, you know, through the collection. Um, and the first couple of stories with the introduction of Lana Lang, it's, you know, it's Silver Age stuff. And the Silver Age stuff, uh, to me, always does such a great job of looking like reality you know, of an incredibly constrained... I mean, there's nothing easier than Smallville in the 50s or 60s sure. to, to divorce yourself from any kind of, like, oh, real stakes or real reality or anything like that. And, of course, DC Silver Age stuff is all, even more willing to throw reality or realism out the window, you know? Mm -hmm. I just... Um, but, yeah, I just... I, I, I wanted to check in because I did find myself having these weird sort of uh, reactions that are even that I w was curious if they would be exacerbated for you. I think in a way, because at, at the risk of, of flogging this dead horse is for someone like me who Marvel comics in the seventies were such a touchstone as a kid. And because they took place in New York and even featured you know, quick cameos by real life people or celebs or things like there was a certain idea that it was either closer or more keyed into real life. And and or when you heard the stories from the people like, you know, all the kind of all the way through Miller, there was a little bit of like, yeah, it was easier to 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 almost believe in superheroes when you were in New York in the seventies, because it was really easy to believe that you were going to get mugged around any corner. Like it was really yeah, yeah. easy to want or believe in those, those things. Yeah. I, and like, I don't have that level of, right. Of connection because as much as anything else, like I was growing up reading American superheroes and America wasn't real. Right. Yeah, of course it wasn't. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely, no more than no more than sixties Smallville is, or really any period of the past is for us. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, like I, you know, it, it's uh, Metropolis was as real as New York, right? Absolutely, I'm sure because I've never yeah. been to either. Right, 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 right. Yeah, no, but I mean, of course, I hadn't either. For for a huge, but I, I I don't know. I just feel that people in America like it's it's the culture in a way that it's not for me. I this yes. Here's a weird nostalgia connection that I had. Uh, I was rereading old like print comics. Uh huh. And I realized that I have nostalgia connections for the adverts, which only makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Because I was reading these comics way back when, like thirty years ago. Right. But I miss, I have emotional nostalgic attachments to the product. That didn't exist when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like Chips Ahoy. To this day, I still like, ah, oh, Chips Ahoy. <laughs> like, ah, you know, oh, Chips Ahoy. Oh, completely. Because, like, because they were on the fucking back of the comic. Right, right. You know? Yeah. I, yeah, yeah and, yeah. like, but again, that stuff wasn't real to me. Right. No, exactly. Right. You know, and I feel that, like, just because, just by dint of being in the same country, it was more real. Right. That's probably very true. I, I think you're right. It, All it, of things were, were like part of a, a, you know, 
a, a, a fictional thing to me. Mm-hmm. I remember picking up, because I was that nerd, the Daily Planet, the replica Daily Planet that they released to tie in with Invasion. Oh, in yeah. Right. I remember right? that. Mm-hmm. And that was like no newspaper I'd ever seen. Right. Right. And it was like a complete ripoff and had like very specific jokes about USA Today and other American newspapers in there. Right. That I just did not get. Mm-hmm. Not because I was I was like 14 years old, although sure also, mm-hmm. but because I'd never seen a newspaper like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's – and so there's a weird – there is there is that weird shared – culture that you have and it would be it would be wonderful for me to be able to i don't know i think even before 2020 clearly i was moving away from a huge chunk of of the big two what the big two were producing because i just didn't see my reality in them and part of that Mm -hmm. was the but I also didn't necessarily enjoy or was enticed by the reality that they were presenting. I think maybe because, yeah. again, of when you're a kid and you're giving them the benefit of the doubt, it's like, oh, but this this world either exists some somewhere or you exist or you believe that it's existing for a reason other than hacky crap being crapped out by crappy hacks. Yeah, yeah. Um, but and also, um, you know, as trademark and copyright retention exercises that mean that there's never going to be any change, you know, um, mm-hmm. or any substantive change. Here's okay. Here's a question related to all this. Then, can you see? Can you imagine like superhero comics that would bring you back? I, I, think or, or is it, is it like a permanent divide? Right. I would say I think the thing that is hard is I can see them. They would have to be by creators that I know of or had some affection for leading me back into them, I suppose. Like I've, I'm aware that like I kept trying despite everything that you and a lot of uh, whatnots have said about say, for example, uh, Valiant Comics, for like a good four or five years where they were doing a lot of things really right and things that I said that I wanted in my superheroes. But I really could not care about the characters. And there were ways, as much respect as I have for someone like, say, Fred Van Linty or a Greg Pack or uh, uh, is it Jeff Lemire or... Jeff Lemire was there for a while. Matt Kent was there for a while. And you're right. Or Matt Kent. Like, I like those guys, but not necessarily enough to really, like, I just wasn't like, I was like, this is just not doing it for me. And I don't have a lot of faith that it's really going to kick in. But maybe if Al Ewing or Grant Morrison and a handful of others were starting a comic book, were part of a comic book company where they were creating a bunch of new characters. And the thing is, is that those characters could grow or change or die like you could have a comic book that is about you know a dude you know set set in a in a in a fictional american city that is you know essentially at this very moment being bombarded with federal agents going in and 
you know, trying to overturn the tide of protesters and there's, you know, some brave guy who like is, you know, the ultra protest. I, yeah, I'd give that a shot, you know, I mean, and also, like I said about, about the walking dead, like there was a point that even though I don't think that Kirkman was necessarily doing it well, that thing that I love that existed in things like Claremont's X-Men, but even for me in like Jerry Conway slash Len Wein's Spider-Man of like, you had supporting characters. Some of them died. Some of them were the love interests and then became the love interest to a different supporting character. And they got married, you know, like mm-hmm. st- stuff like that, that felt that feels like things can happen and things can change. You know, I, I feel like those things can happen. I mean, the thing is, is for me, I never, I feel like superheroes as as I've talked about here, probably, Countless times, I feel like just the idea of a secret identity is such a ridiculously vivid um, metaphor, and more so now probably in the internet age than even at any time before. And that's so innately tied to superhero comics in a way that you can't do really in any other type of genre or medium the same way. And I... I'm always excited by those, but I just, but by the same time, like, I don't know. I just find myself looking um, at what's coming out with, from the big two with, yeah, a certain jaundiced eye, like a certain amount of like, I feel like I'm holding on to a mortal Hulk for dear life. And now that Jimmy Olsen has stopped (laughs) publishing and you were right, by the way, that 12th issue was great. Um, I don't feel, I don't, I just, I'm like, uh, maybe, maybe this is me having gone for six months without a Batman comic and being like, uh, maybe I should see what's happening in Batman and just being like, why would I want to do that to myself? You know, just in a literal level. <laughs> what's really funny is I'm, I honestly like, why would you want to do that for yourself? Well, I, you know, there's, uh, that's a really good question. And I don't, I, I'm still trying to. I'm still trying to suss that out. And I would say that there is something, the whole hearing a story, hearing story about a character or an idea or something that you're vividly um, interested in is, you know, it's kind of nice. When there's a pile of, again, the pile of comics, when it's not just, I mean, reading Immortal Hulk is 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 a satisfying experience, but it's also, it's somehow more satisfying when it's surrounded by three or four good comics. You know what I mean? Like they don't even sure. have to be as good as Immortal Hulk. You know, like I'm already sad that's wrapping up at 50, even though that's still 15 issues away. And it's been an amazing 35 issue ride that's, you know, been extraordinary. Um, I find myself dipping my toes in things like like with those Empire comics where I'm like, okay, I like Ewing, I'll like Empire. Oh God, no! Why did I do this? You know. So okay, well that I was actually going to ask, like that Empire didn't work for you. Uh, not, not Empire Zero. I didn't go with Fantastic Four. I've heard good things about that Emperor Hulkling one shot, which I'm mm-hmm. I have to admit I'm. You haven't you haven't read Empire issue one? 
No, I have not. And I know issue two is already out. I read issue one, and I've got to say, I was like genuinely surprised how much I liked it. You know, I wanted to ask you about that because you gave it a thumbs up. Uh, I assumed it was uh, you in the, the Hollywood, teacher. yeah, to HR newsletter, yeah. yeah. And I yeah. was like, wait, what happened? So what happened? I mean, uh, not necessarily spoilers, but okay. what happened with what, you emotionally? What happened is basically this: mm-hmm. it's a solid superhero comic. Mm-hmm. It's a solid Marvel superhero comic. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that was enough Mm -hmm. and also that it gets to the very obvious twist by the end of the first issue Mm -hmm. felt like they were going like we all know this is coming so let's just get it over with right right um felt felt good as well like it felt like the pacing was good Mm -hmm. in getting there honestly an issue earlier than i expected it to get there Mm -hmm. it was also that moment of oh okay so maybe this is going somewhere i didn't expect right right this this had this had some moves in it yeah Mm -hmm. so yeah i i i was i I was i was happily surprised by by that Mm -hmm. and so sure right yeah it 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 worked out Hmm. that's great um, yeah, I haven't read issue two, which I know is that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and maybe issue two is is not good, <laughs> right? <laughs> Better way of putting it, right? But but it's it like issue one worked surprisingly well for me because mm. you know you and I talked that, that Avengers issue zero was fine, mm-hmm. but was fine, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and so that felt lacking. Yeah, definitely. Um. So yeah. Hmm. But no, no. Issue like issue one, like was was surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. It actually, actually worked. Hmm. So, yeah. Well, that is uh, that is very good to hear. I gotta say, I part of me is like, oh boy. So do I get it? Do I not get it? Like I'm wringing my hands here now. But fortunately, I've got some days to think about it. So. You know, in theory, the whole the great thing about the digital storefront is, you know, the copies are never sold out. So there's no reason why I can't if there's nothing that comes out on new comic book days this upcoming week, I can just pick one up then, I guess. Comic book days. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I feel like there's something else I should ask you about, but I don't know, like maybe... Mm. I, 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 well, I'm also like, we should probably start wrapping up because we're almost in two hours. Well, yes. Oh, yeah. I, I'm so thrown off by our time schedule of when we started. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, yeah. We're doing it slightly different. And so it's, it's causing, it's causing trouble for, for everyone. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about death metal, though, because I don't think we talked about it on air, right? I mean, the way it broke oh, no, down. I don't think we did. Because, yeah, yeah I, I think before issue two came out, I said something happened in issue two that both, like, made me feel better and made me feel worse. Yes, exactly. So, okay, the thing, the thing that made me feel better was, yeah. again, spoilers, um, the Batman who laughs is not dead. Right. The made, thing that made me feel worse is they then are like, ha but he's the darkest knight because now he's, you know, Batman Haddon. Yeah. And that was <laughs> just like, fuck, yeah. for real? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, right. Isn't that weird? Like I, I was, uh, I'm so glad we got to talk about it because you were kind of like, Oh, on the one hand, yes, they did stuff that I thought was right. 
uh, and at the same time wrong. And and reading that, I, that's the other part that was weird. Was first off, knowing that 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 Scott Snyder had the chutzpah to refer to the Bruce Wayne. Dr. Manhattan that the Batman who laughs gets his brain put into as Batman Hatton is, I mean, I don't think he gets called that in the comic himself, but it's, it's a lot wittier than the way the comic kind of reads. You know what I mean? Like reading the script excerpt in the back of issue two does have a little bit of the, Oh, this really is a very goofy you know like it's very goofy and and kind of energetic in a way that i think the comic isn't for lack of a better term like i guess because it's because it's being filtered through capullo's sensibilities and there's a bunch of other stuff with it but it's also just it's a it's a high hurdle. Like there's a point in Snyder's script where it's like, okay, you know, here's this panel, and I, you know, it can where it's like a bunch of different Alfreds, and he's like, yeah, make it goofy and fun, but also spooky. And I'm like, can you have goofy and spooky? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's a really hard tone to kind of pull off. And I know that I think I know what he intends for what Capullo does, but I don't think weirdly it feels the way that Snyder thinks that it's coming across. I don't know. It's a weird metal dark death metal two was a weird book in that it felt like, honestly, I'm trying to think after Batman Hatton turns himself into the darkest night, I was like, all the plot points literally felt like dad jokes. And in fact, there's some sort of reference but to dad wasn't jokes. wasn't that true of like the first one as well? I guess so. I guess so. I mean, I mean, I don't necessarily think was, wasn't it in metal, for example, where like at one point Batman holds out, like literally whips baby dark side out of a bag and like, threatens like basically manages to escape by holding everyone at bay with like baby dark side yes that's that's metal that's the first right metal. and i mean that's really weird and really ridiculous but it's also but it's not like you know it's not like he was called i don't know baby dark or you know what i mean there's just something when the character when the character turns into a character that is literally called the darkest night and the Robin Goblin characters are called Groblins or Grobins or whatever the fuck that it is. And you've got Batman Hatton. Like, there's literally just this weird, like, it's kind of the opposite of synergy. Like, on the one hand, it's kind of, um, it's like a dad joke. It's like somehow, you know, for me, because I'm a dad age, it's clever in its lack of cleverness i suppose and yet somehow that really gets stripped out somewhere along the way i think or is that just me um well no but but, i mean this is kind of that's kind of the problem i had with it as well right mm -hmm. that it's it's not as funny as it thinks it is for want of a better way of putting it Mm -hmm. right you know like it's 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 one of those things where it's like, aha, aren't I funny? Ha ha ha. 
Right. And you're like, but no, you're not. Right, right. Again, the the curse of the dead joke. Um, yeah, right? Yeah. It, and But like the whole, but like take that, I guess, take that beyond like not just the funny. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is like, you're just not as as good as you think you are, for want right. of a better way of putting it. Right, right. Like, it's it's not as anything as it thinks it is. Right, it's not as clever, it's not as scary, it's all it's all more obvious and... Le- and it is definitely, I would argue, the most uh, two-on-the-nose of an event that I maybe... I don't know, it's hard. I mean, I sort of guess that's the nature of big comic book crossover events, right? Like, it's never like... Atlantis attacks, you know, by a sustained economic barrage that slowly drives the <laughs> import-export market to its knees, you know? like yes, it's... I, I, it's amazing that that's not what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I guess those those things really are super on the nose, but there's something about death metal that, that just, I think maybe because... Because it's so convoluted, it spends so much space explaining itself, and and that is, and that's the part where it's kind of like, eh, I don't know, I don't know if I'm necessarily into the Bat Manhattan who laughs being called the Darkest Night. Like that's yeah, it, it just it seems desperate, right? Or is that just me? I I'm not like, sure. It, it, right? It it feels it feels like it's trying too hard. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's weird. What and what's what separates the trying too hard from the enjoyably over the top? You know what I mean? Like, is it just that the over the kind of like what we were talking about with the the hacked out crappy stuff? Uh, is that there's an element of surprise that over the top pulls off that tries too hard? like more or less is like as the description suggests is not achieving yeah i think it is i think there's a flop sweat in mm-hmm. all seriousness mm-hmm. that like we we recognize mm-hmm. yeah. I, am i wrong in that is that is that not the difference that there were like no i i know what this is like right right yeah no i think like, so i, can, I, think I so. can see you sweat mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, I don't know. It's you know, it's interesting because I also feel like you did you read Batman last night on Earth or no? I, I read the first issue. And I don't think I read the others. Okay. And, or put it this way, I don't remember the others. I'm fairly <laughs> sure. I didn't okay, I ended up reading it, and, reading it, and I mostly enjoyed it. And what is interesting to me, uh, in a way, is how much death metal feels much much closer to to Batman last night on earth with the difference of, I really enjoyed one and am not very much enjoying the other. Like I'll probably pick up the next issue of death metal, but I can't really say I'm super excited by it. Um, you know, and, and uh, part of me is like, well, is part of it that I like last night on earth because it kind of got there first and did some of that, some of those, some of the moves that Death Metal has, like, kind of Last Night on Earth had first and almost did better. Um, I think, now that I think about it, maybe that's it for me. Which is interesting, because you did not read them, but it, but you have a 
basically the same reaction that I do. So I I think uh, yes, but also I think part of it might be legitimately I think what death metal it, I'm having that reaction to death metal from having read metal. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, death metal I see whereas metal and I could be wrong. Two issues into death metal, death metal feels way more like secret wars than metal did. That you know, then it does because it death metal, like metal is secret wars. Well, of course, it clearly like, is. Like legitimately, yeah, it's secret wars. Secret wars is there's the big cosmic event that ends reality. One location is left, which merges all the realities, and our heroes must save the day. Our heroes and must save is, the day, and they've been warped into weird versions of themselves. Yes, and that is literally death metal. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. And and whereas metal had a certain amount of like, and here's a whole bunch of like, uh, you know, um, extra bullshit, extra bullshit that we're going to do to launch a whole bunch of series that are going to flop, you know, like here's I mean, here... don't get wrong, death metal by ends exactly the same way, right? Well, maybe, but they haven't they haven't really brought anything in in a way, you know. There's nothing. Yeah, it's quite true. As... But like you know, metal metal made a point of being like it's Challenger's Mountain is weirdly back. Exactly. Yeah, completely. That is exactly what I was thinking. Was Challenger's Mountain and then they're like Blackhawks or something. And I was just like, okay, sure, if you say so. You know, and there's nothing here. Um, uh, I don't know. It's it's just, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I want Death Metal. I want Death Metal to be better than it is, first of all. Right. But I also want Death Metal to feel like something other than an event that's happening because someone felt like they needed an event but didn't have any idea. Right. Right. Yeah. Because, like, you know, the, 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 I've read this before from metal. I've read this before from secret wars. Right. Like it's all too present on death metal right now. Yeah. You know, we're two issues in question mark. It is two issues. I think it's only, they've only done two so far. Um, but it's, it doesn't like make you, I at no point in death metal so far have I been like I can't wait to read the next issue. Right, right. The one thing that I think is interesting is how much death metal feel feels like the anti flashpoint. Um, if only more, more than anything else, because flashpoint felt like an event that you were like, how how do how do you put it? I was not expecting the reboot of the entire universe at the end of flashpoint. You know what I mean? Sure. And sure. death metal is seems like it's continually signifying the okay, but we're we're finishing all of this. Yeah, like, exactly. We're, we're starting over. This is clearly building up. Yeah, yeah. Reboot. Like it, it could not be more obvious. That right. That's what it's exactly, exactly. And I feel like that is also the part that I find myself. The only part I find myself sort of looking forward to is oh god yeah i just hope that they reboot this even though part of me is like what does that mean what do i what you know for myself and no but like they've been so far into that as well yeah. is the problem like, right you don't get to start a series going the multiverse is dead right and not expect readers to be like so it's a reboot right exactly exactly you know and i don't i don't but i mean how do i put it one of the things I liked about Secret Wars, uh, you know, was apart from looking forward to the reboot that they then robbed me of, was was 
there was a lot of like, oh, what the hell is happening here? This is not anything that I was expecting, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, yeah. So, and unfortunately, (laughs) the idea of that being the part that was the most enjoyable uh, being the part that's going to disappear when a series cops those moves again, so... I don't know, Graham. We'll have to see where that goes. We'll have to see. Where I, I that don't goes. think it's going to go anywhere good. Is it? <laughs> no, I, I, but it is. Like I love, I love specifically DC crossovers. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I love those characters. I love the idea, of, like Crisis on Earths, uh, Millennium, mm-hmm. Zero Hour, uh, DC One Million, Armageddon, fucking two thousand and one, right? You know, I love those stories. Mm-hmm. There's something about seeing all those characters come together, you know, fight the common foe. Again, it's never surprising. You know they're going to win. There's going to be like a crossover series. There's going to be like spinoffs afterwards. Mm-hmm. None of it's surprising. I don't go into this looking for surprises. Right. And one of the things I feel death metal is robbing me of mm-hmm. is all of that fun stuff. <laughs> and so it's like, but Luke, now they've got long hair and they're metal. <laughs> and it's like, that's not... That's not what I'm here for, dude. You know, to change to change the subject a little bit, which is but Okay, but wrapping up in like three minutes. Yes, real. I know, I know. You're right, you're right. Is I wanna say this is something that um in the process the the last wait what episode, uh as opposed to the drop, you and I I talked about having read uh Secret Invasion completely for the first time and having a bunch of things to say about that, that were varying degrees of bitchiness. But one thing that I wanted to say that I completely forgot to say, I think is holy shit. Like Bendis being such a DC fanboy should not really be a surprise. Like reading secret invasion now never having read it previously but knowing that bendis is at dc i'm like oh oh shit like of course like his his not norman osborne is lex luther like secret invasion is fucking uh millennium you know like it just is like that's just yeah, yeah. you know You're like he's been there all along <laughs> right he has been he's like a much bigger dc fan then I was technically checking out. Like he really did want to, you know, have the, Oh, Luther's president. Such a great idea. How can I do a variation on that? What about Norman Osborn? You know, and just seeing some of the ways that he's trying to, to, to catch or reference that DC stuff. I, I think also I, there, there was annoying meta about Secret Invasion that I didn't touch on because one of the things that drives me nuts about Secret Invasion is real early on the scene in which the spaceships crash and the earlier versions of the Marvel heroes come out. And the thing that drove, that I just wanted to put my head through the wall is most of them are earlier versions of the current versions that are meeting yeah, them. Yeah. And that really uh, we should talk on it some other time or not but i was just I like know. i'm 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 not really curious but we are fucking wrapping this up i we, know you are you're like once yes. we actually have a hard stop for this <laughs> damn it yes um, i also did time to say this the the reality show thing that i'm completely obsessed with uh, right now is for anyone who's got hbo max mm-hmm. um watch the doghouse 
Really? Which is a show that, if you like animals, is designed to fucking rip your heart out. Oh, no. I'm not sure I could handle it. That. Is, it is a show about uh, a British uh, organization that exists to rehome dogs, mm-hmm. rehouse dogs. Mm-hmm. And so they have the heartwarming tales of like, here's a family coming in. They're looking for a dog. They found, you know, whatever. They found Buddy. Oh, look, they love Buddy. Right. But they do two other things which are horrible. Oh, One, no. mm-hmm. when it doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. Like they'll introduce the dog and for some reason it doesn't work out. Very sad. But they'll also show you people having to give up their dogs. Oh, God. What? Exactly. Oh, Graham. No, I couldn't hack like, that. They're like, oh, this is this is for the best. But you see, like, just see people being like, yes, yeah, so, you know, ever since I've had my accident, I just can't go running with him anymore, and he deserves better. And then they show you them walking out the door, and the dog crying, watching oh, them. Oh, no. Oh, my God. And it's like, you fuckers. That... I, I tuned in just for a show where, like, someone goes, look, I've always wanted a Pomeranian. Right. I did not tune in for a show of, like, I inherited these dogs when their first owner died of alzheimer's <laughs> and then now i can't give them up because i've got a goiter which is meant i've had to amputate my leg and you're like what and then they're like okay bye and they go bye to the dog and then they walk out and the dog just cries and they're like sometimes dogs can be quite upset that's because dogs form emotional bonds with their owners and then they're going that poor fucking dog oh my god graham this is nonetheless this is... I love the show. Okay. <laughs> it is complete emotional manipulation and it works. <laughs> it is dogs and it is emotional manipulation and I am a sucker for it. Oh my God, Graham. That's that. I, I quick, let's just start closing because yes, we've because got a hard stop. Show. Yes, exactly. There's show notes for this up on weightwattpodcast.com. There's a Tumblr, a weightwattpod.tumblr.com. There is Instagram.com forward slash weightwattpod. There is a Twitter account at weightwattpodcast. Jeff has a Twitter account at lazybastid at L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. And I'm on Twitter at Graham M at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. And we are a Patreon supported podcast. So Jeff is going to stop thinking about dogs and start talking about Patreon. <laughs> Dear God, I can't stop thinking about dogs. Uh, listeners, uh, I'm going to give fast, uh, you know, hopefully just fast, fast, not even fast for Jeff standards fast. You guys are great. We're coming up on our 300th episode. There is no way that we could have been there, made it to this point without you guys list tuning in to listen to us and sending emails and replying on, uh, tweeting at us and suggesting, books for me to read and manga for me to look at and you know things for us to talk about we're incredibly grateful we are also super grateful to the fine people uh who throw us a little bit of their hard-earned dosh over at patreon uh as a result not only are we going to hit our 300th episode but we also have 50 episodes in the can of baxter building our 50 episode uh, read through of the first 416 issues of the fantastic four and our puzzlingly numbered uh drock which is i think up to its 18th episode because we've read 
16 complete case files, two rejected um, two case files, yeah. restricted files, and uh, as well as America, the graphic novel. So thank you so much for that, you guys. You are literally, you. I, I'm, I'm shocked that we have made it this far until I realized that we're here because of you. And thank you. I want to throw in special shout outs and thanks, of course, to uh, Dominic El Franco and uh, Epirus Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, them, the two of them working in tandem, uh, much like a Guy Gardner, Hal Jordan joint, are keeping this neck of the celestial realm safe. And for that, uh, we thank them. Graham? Which one's Guy? And you know what? Never mind. We are going to be back, not next week, but the week after that, with Wait What, episode 300. Due to our weird accounting, it's yes. actually not, but it also is. Think of it like, you know, Marvel Now numbering. It's it gets very confusing, <laughs> but just go with it. We're calling it episode three, uh, 300. I almost said 3000. We're calling it episode 3000. We should! That would be great. Um, do oh, you, should we, should we ask people for questions or no? Sure. Yeah. Uh, send us questions. Let's make a Q&A episode. Yeah. Uh, send us questions, people, and we will do our best to, because it's us, answer like half of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That is, on the one hand, so accurate, except for the fact that I'm. it's also too wide-eyed optimistic. Like, Yeah, yeah I was going to say, answer four. <laughs> um, people send us four questions. <laughs> Uh, we're, yeah, we're going to be back in two weeks. Until then, bye!